welcome to Hashtag CNF, a conversation about reading and writing with authors in the genre of creative nonfiction. I'm Brendan O'Mara. Sherry Booker's memoir, Nine Years Under, Coming of Age in an Inner City Funeral Home, chronicles her decade-long experience immersed in the culture of death. Everything from picking up bodies to preserving them in the inner sanctum of Wiley Funeral Home. In it, Booker learns that death knows no age and that a funeral home is every bit a part of a community as a church. So it is my great pleasure to welcome Sherry Booker to Hashtag CNF. Thank you for being on the show here, Sherry. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Cool, cool. Well, uh, what was it about your experience in the funeral home that made you want to write about it? Um, I worked there for so long, and I had so many stories that I was telling everyone all the time um, that I just ended up compiling them into a book. Uh, I used to write while I was working at the funeral home. I used to write poetry. And so it kind of made sense that I started writing it in long form and chronicling my journey. Nice. And uh, what did you, um, you know, what about life did you learn while being so immersed in death? You know, I I always say everything I learned about life, I learned through death. Um, So now I I have a different value and respect of life. I'm I'm very, very cautious. um, You'll never find me running out in the streets uh, to cross traffic. Um, I I worry about what I eat. I I think about that. I consider it. And I also value the relationships that are in my life as well. So, you know, I'm constantly telling the people in my life how much I love them and what they mean to me and how much I appreciate them because I never know when I could possibly lose them or when they could lose me. So mm-hmm. um, I take every day one day at a time and I try to get the most out of every day that I possibly can because, um, you know, I've witnessed people have regrets. You know, I would stand in the, the viewing room and see people who are like, oh, my God, I wish I would have told them this. I wish I would have done this with this person. And I don't want to have those type of moments in my life. Right. And your your introduction, essentially, to the funeral home is with uh, the passing of your aunt, at a, you know, and you were at a very young age yourself so like what what uh what effect did that have on your in your early formative years you know my my great great aunt mary she lived with me my entire life she was like my living grandmother um so you can imagine how she spoiled me and um mm-hmm. i'm spoiled to this day because of her so she died when i was 15 she lived with me my entire life um, and when she died the funeral director was a close family friend and he was also a member of our church so when he offered me a job at a funeral home, I immediately accepted it, um, mainly because I was curious as to what happened to Aunt Mary. I wanted to know what was going on with her. And so I thought I would just stay there for the summer yeah. um, and, you know, try to find out what happened and everything. But I ended up staying there for nine nine years, going on almost 10 years. Um and, and so for me, it was important to learn the business. Um, I had an advantage because I had, um, you know, just lost someone. I, I knew the value of what I needed to and who I needed to be for the families that came in there because I had just been in their shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew I knew what it was like to grieve. I knew what it was like to lose someone who's so, so important to you. Um, and so it, that made a difference for me. Right. And what preconceived notions did you have, if any, about working in a funeral home, you know, before and after, then after you started? 
You know, I, I did not have any preconceived notions. I knew nothing about death. Um, my Aunt Mary was my first loss. Um, if she had not have died, I would have never stepped foot in the funeral home for any reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there was a little bit of fear that I had going into the business. The one thing that my dad told me, and he was a police officer here in Baltimore, um, he said, okay, uh, you can work there, but whatever you do, do not go in the basement. Do not mm-hmm. go wherever it is that they embalm. And, of course, what did I do? Eventually, yeah. <laughs> um, I ended up in the basement. Um, and so th- there was a little bit of fear. Um, one of the things that I will always hear people ask me um, was, like, you know, do bodies jump up? Do they sit up? And from what I learned from the business is that is not true. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of myth. Um, you know, bodies do react chemically. Embalming is a chemical process. So sometimes a, a, a mortician may over-inject some chemicals in a body and it may react, you know, it may flinch, the arm might move or something like that, but nobody sit up or jump up or <laughs> get up and walk or anything. That's all myth. And when you were finally allowed to help prepare the bodies for viewing and embalming, mm-hmm. um, did you find that this was an experience you needed to fully understand the business you were in? Absolutely. I, it, it was good hands-on um, demonstration of what was going on. Uh, is this something that I would want to do on a regular basis? No. And so I tried to limit my contact down there. But it was very important um, in that process. What I did in the basement was um, I helped to dress bodies, uh, painted fingernails, um, helped to curl and style hair, um, and those type of things. And those things are very important. The aesthetics of it is what is important to families. You know, um, seeing a body on view or at the funeral, it's all about that family gaining closure. So you'll realize how important it is for every hair to be in place, for mm-hmm. the makeup to look perfect, for the nails to look manicured. So you want everything to be perfect because the family notices that that type of stuff. My boss always said, you only get one chance at funeral service. Mm-hmm. And that was the model that we lived by. What type of person do you feel... Uh, is best suited for this kind of service, um, even right down to the to the to being in the basement there where you're preparing the bodies. I mean, I'm sure it takes a certain personality type to be one drawn to it and then be good at it. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's just a very special type of person. I didn't think that I was built for that position uh, myself, but um, you have to be strong. You have to. Um, I don't know, like when I worked in the business, there was a point when I kind of uh, became numb to what was going on. And so I likened it to, you know, police officers do it all the time, Um, doctors do it all the time. You just can't take cases personally because Mm -hmm. you see so many things. You see um, so many horrific things. And if you you cried every time you saw... um, you know, a victim of homicide, if you um, were just so upset every time you saw a burn victim come through, or even someone who died from cancer, or if you see a baby, like, you would never get any work done. Mm. Um, So you have to be someone who is able to kind of, um, you know, mask your feelings and not demonstrate that and realize that you have a job to get done. It's a very hard thing to do. and so I don't, I don't know how, how people do it. I don't know how I did it. Um, and again, if I had not have had that, that loss in my life, I don't know if I could have been that person either. Right. And early on, you had to fight that yourself, uh, trying to choke back the tears. Mr. Wiley got on your case for it, uh, <laughs> if I recall. 
definitely. You know, he he, he runs a business. Yeah. And he understood how important it is. Um, again, you only get one chance at funeral service. So if I'm working in your business and I'm there crying, how can I support uh, this family that's in here who's just lost their loved one? They mm-hmm. need a shoulder to cry on. You can't cry on their shoulders. Um, and, and he had a very valid point. And so there were women and men who did not make it through the business because they just couldn't stand um, to, to be in there because it, it, it is hard and it takes an emotional toll on you. Um, mm. And so you have to have strong things in your life. You have to have a family to go home to at night. You have to have someone significant in your life so that you can sleep and, and have other things, enjoy, you know, something that makes you feel good about life too. So, you know, a lot of funeral directors, they have families, they're members of churches, they're active in the community. So, you know, when they close their doors at night, they have to have something to go home to. And what were some of those activities that you felt you needed to turn to to kind of to unplug from the, the the how heavy the work was that you were doing? You know, the great part about it for me was that during that time, I was very young. So I had great friends. Um, I had a very close-knit family at home. And so I did regular teenage things. You know, I had homework to do and studying to do uh, while I was in high school and college parties, proms to prepare for. Um, so for me, it, it was an easy distraction because I knew at 8 o'clock when I got off, then I'm going to go hang out with my girlfriends. We're going to go to Pizza Hut and have pizza or go mm-hmm. skating or go to a party or go to the basketball game. So that was a good distraction for me, as well as knowing that I had these great stories that I could share and no one else in the world um, could tell these type of stories. So <laughs> for me, I got cool points for it. Um, you know, most of my friends worked at a, a, a store in the mall called Pretzel Time, which is like NEM. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I was on cool stuff. Yeah, I was thinking of that too, because there's so many teenagers scoop ice cream, flip burgers, make yeah. coffee, make subs, but you're in a funeral home. So, you know, what, uh, what challenges did you encounter as a high schooler in such an unortho- un- unorthodox job? You know, my friends, they, they did not think it was weird at the time. Mm-hmm. One, my shame story is, though, when I was in college, you know, um, I, I cut class a couple of days, and I, I would actually take some of the funeral excuse slips to class, mm-hmm. and I'd give it to my teacher. Like, oh, sorry, I missed class because my grandfather died. <laughs> <laughs> That's my funeral, my one funeral shame story that I had. <laughs> Oh, besides the fact when I drove the, the lady through the McDonald's drive-thru. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was great. That, that was a great scene. Yeah. <laughs> May she forgive me. <laughs> right. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure she will. I'm sure she's reading this up in the great upstairs. Um, well, and give us a sense of what it was like to work for Mr. Wiley. You know, when I worked for Mr. Wiley, he was amazing. Um it's very unusual that someone will bring you into their business and basically teach you everything that they know. I was so inquisitive. He, he said, you know what, you are so greedy. I'm like, greedy? He's like, you are so greedy for knowledge. Mm-hmm. And he was willing to teach me every single thing. He was a hard man to work for because his standards are so high. He does not accept anything less than the best. Um, there are no room for mistakes, so you will get yelled at if you mess up. Um, but get him because you understand how passionate he is about his job um, and about what he does and the service that he offers to families. And so he was a great mentor, a great teacher. Um, But I also found myself uh, becoming just like him. Mm. And the things that I didn't like about him, I would see it in myself. 
um, which was very interesting. So when I when I was leaving this funeral home, I mean, I was so much like him. They were just like, oh, my God, you're just a little Al Wally. I would hear it all the time because I had picked up so many of his habits. Mm-hmm. I knew how he thought. I knew how he talked. I knew who he would hire. I knew who he would fire. I knew what he wanted. I knew how he would act in the arrangement room. I knew what deals he would give people. I, knew, I just knew how he worked, and um, I picked up a lot of that. Hmm. And uh, what kind of strain, if, if any, did you know working in, in this business put on your friendships and relationships you might have had with you know, friends and family? Uh, it didn't really. I mean, everyone loved Mr. Wally. Everyone loved the funeral home. If you were a part of my life, you spent some time at the funeral home. Mm-hmm. Even so much so, I mean, all of my closest friends, they've been there. Um, you know, my little poetry club that I had, we would meet and have our rehearsals there and everything. So if you were a part of my life, then you knew all about the funeral home, and you probably have been to the funeral home. You're very familiar with Mr. Wally and the Wally family. Well, the name of the book, again, is Nine Years Under Coming of Age in an Inner City Funeral Home. It is published by Gotham, and I just want to thank you again, Sherry, for, uh, for being a part of the show. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much.